Section 44 of A Failure of Initiative. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Casper. A Failure of Initiative. Final Report of the Select Bipartisan Committee to Investigate the Preparation for and Response to Hurricane Katrina by the United States House of Representatives. Medical Care, Part 5. Finding. Hospital and VAMC emergency plans did not adequately prepare for communication needs. The Biloxi, Mississippi VAMC emergency plan states when a hurricane is in the Gulf of Mexico and is 24 hours or less away from landfall, the Facilities Management Services, FMS, will distribute emergency communications equipment. The facilities HF-VHF radios will be ready to be set up in the director's conference room. This part of the emergency plan does not, however, indicate which FMS team member is responsible for the distribution, including what specific equipment is to be distributed and to whom. Instead, the plan says FMS should develop its own service supplemental hurricane plan, SSHP, to address these issues. The SSHP lists communication preparations and available equipment. In addition to providing emergency communications equipment, the FMS is responsible for ensuring there are adequate linens, the recreation hall is set up as an employee shelter, and evacuation services are in place. VAMC Biloxi says its FMS team typically includes four to six people, two or three craftsmen and two or three housekeepers, to handle this wide range of operations. The plan also lists the VAMC's communications capabilities, but does not mention satellite phones discussed previously in the SSHP. It relies primarily upon the use of telephones, and focuses on a telephone system designed exclusively for internal communications. Two-way radios are designated for specific personnel, but the plan recognizes limits to radio capabilities, stating, the limited number of radios and single-voice transmission, however, combine to impose several restrictions. The radios are intended as backup to the inter-office telephone system. The VAMC plan relies on landline telephones and the Hospital Emergency Area Radio HEAR, network system to communicate with the Emergency Medical Services EMS, and outside world. The VAMC New Orleans Emergency Management Plan also depends on the HEAR network system for communication with area hospitals and ambulances. The Chief of Police Services is to maintain a pool of Motorola radios, the exact number of which is not specified, but will be used upon activation of the emergency plan. Radios should be distributed to 11 staff members, all of whom are designated in the plan. The plan also indicates radios will operate for about eight hours before needing to be charged, and provides the frequency at which these radios operate. The failure response section does not mention potential power failures and, in turn, the inability to recharge the radios. 
additionally no section of the plan addresses when the two-way radios should be distributed in preparation for the storm in fact the hurricane section of the plan fails to mention radios or refer the reader to the communications chapter the veterans health information systems and technology architecture vista contingency plan cites hurricanes as a high probability threat a telecommunications contingency plan included within the vista plan lists responsibilities and procedures for personnel in charge of communications during a telephone system failure the plan includes handheld radios and or cell phones will be used if landlines do not work and details who distributes the radios as well as who or what areas receive them a total of twenty-six areas within vmac new orleans are to be provided with two-way radios one radio per area but there is no indication of how these radios should stay charged in the event power is lost additionally a cache of cellular phones are maintained by cim service line director the exact number is not specified but the plan states eight areas are designated as first priority to receive cellular telephones as with the two-way radios there is no planning for how to keep these cellular phones charged in the event that power is lost charity and university use the emergency management manual for the medical center of louisiana at new orleans the hospitals depend on two-way radios cell phones heaar radio hrso radio 800 megahertz radio and ham radio links for internal and external communications backup methodist's disaster and emergency preparedness plan charges the hurricane preparedness control center with establishing and maintaining emergency communications the control center is assigned special telephone extensions as well as backup telephone numbers in case landlines fail HEAR radio equipment, including the backup system, should be tested when a storm is more than 72 hours away. At 72 hours, the Director of Facility Services is to designate the radio operator's availability and ensure operator adequately trained. At 60 hours before landfall, battery supplies are checked. When the storm is 24 hours from landfall, the director of facility services provides the maintenance supervisor with a two-way radio unit when the storm is twelve hours away the director of facility services should position emergency equipment supplies and prepare for immediate operations and conduct a final check of the emergency power system he or she is also supposed to ensure the radio operator is on duty and has contact on the heaar system Methodist's plan takes into account the potential for flooding as a result of a Category 3, Category 4, or Category 5 hurricane, stating, Flooding conditions to some extent can almost certainly be expected to accompany a hurricane. Several recent studies and surveys by hurricane forecasting experts indicate that the entire New Orleans area is extremely vulnerable to catastrophic flooding as a result of a major storm if flooding is predicted or reported the ceo is instructed to shut down telephone communications equipment and reassign communications attendance to the control center as such all communications would obviously be lost 
These hospital and VAMC emergency plans lack a clear communication section, often leaving unanswered questions about what communications capabilities are in place, who is responsible for the equipment, and how to respond if power is lost. As a result, Gulf Coast medical facilities were left without appropriate equipment or a proper understanding of how to implement an effective emergency communications plan. Finding. Following Hurricane Katrina, the inability of VAMC New Orleans and hospitals to communicate impeded their ability to ask for help. Hospital executives said in Katrina's aftermath, hospital emergency area radio HEAR systems simply did not work. Cell phones worked occasionally and allowed them to get in touch with the Louisiana Hospital Association, which in turn contacted the OEP on their behalf. Their primary source of information was television. In an interview with CNN on September 30th, Dr. Albert Barocas, a physician at Methodist, said, We were trapped. Communications was a big issue. The fact that we could not bring family and patients together, a lot of them were separated, the majority were separated, we did not even know where these people were going to. The director of VA Veterans Integrated Service Network 16, VISN 16, Robert Lynch, tells a similar story. There was no plan in Biloxi and New Orleans. Hard-working people did a lot of workarounds, with a lot of creativity. We're going to learn from that, he said. VISN-16 lost communications through its telephone landlines, operated by Sprint, during the storm. Lynch indicated that satellite phones worked sporadically and only went outside. In Biloxi, reports indicate only one cellular tower remained and cell phone users could only make calls, not receive them. The VA worked around the communication failures by establishing a schedule for employees to be outside with satellite phones. Smithberg said that on Sunday at 7 a.m., the hospital set up an incident command center in its boardroom for communications. The following day, the hospital went to Code Gray, and ham operators arrived at the hospital, LSU had a point of contact at the OEP, but after the storm, LSU couldn't receive information from the OEP or FEMA. On Monday, August 29th, Smithberg reported that Nextel and cell phone service were temporarily lost on the university campus, and text messaging was intermittent. Smithberg cited inadequate health resources and services administration grant funding as the primary reason for communications failure, and said the LHA receives the federal grant money and allots it to Louisiana hospitals. While the grants were helpful for supplying Motorola phones and a ham network, he believes the funding for LSU was disproportionately small in comparison to its needs and patient load. In the days following Hurricane Katrina, Gulf Coast hospitals and VAMCs were responsible for hundreds of patients, some of whom were in critical condition. Without necessary communications capabilities, these facilities were almost completely isolated from first responders and the outside world. Incapacitated and without supplies, many struggled to provide care and keep patients alive until help arrived. Finding 
medical responders did not have adequate communications equipment or operability inadequate communications and situational awareness among and within federal agencies contributed to a diminished understanding of the health needs of affected populations on october twentieth stevens told the associated press anything that could go wrong in communications went wrong interviews with health officials and countless emails from esf eight agency personnel support his statement immediately following hurricane katrina cell phones and landlines were not working blackberries were not dependable and in some cases unavailable and satellite telephone capabilities were not sufficient in preparation for hurricane katrina stevens oversaw the placement of an incident command trailer inside the superdome immediately following the storm he said landlines the only mode of communication for his team worked just five to ten percent of the time by wednesday cell phones began working intermittently but not enough to meet their communication needs and despite his initial preparations stevens said these communication failures weren't anticipated at all colonel kenneth k knight chief of the air force medical operations center presented a timeline that showed similar difficulties its communication systems were inoperable until september first on this date the air force medical response timeline says there were few working landlines and cell phone success was spotty it was not until four days after the storm on september second that cell phone network was improving likewise colonel falk as the air national guard surgeon cited communications as the number one area needing improvement both the air national guard and army national guard experienced almost a total failure in communications the army satellite system was not working and personal cell phones service provided by verizon were the only means of contact likewise the national guard bureau's after action review indicates communication failures adversely affected situational awareness it says lack of situational awareness was caused largely by the loss of communications the lack of communications and difficulties with interoperability of equipment between forces as well as between the military and civilian leadership also hampered the rapid generation of emac requests poor communications also resulted in a lack of visibility of available assets in nearby states national guard bureau chief lieutenant general stephen bloom indicated many guardsmen were equipped with outdated radios and it was impossible for them to communicate with the army's eighty second airborne division and first cavalry division you don't want two units operating in the same area doing the same function that can't coordinate their efforts because they don't have the communications equipment bloom said the deputy assistant secretary of hhs office of public health emergency preparedness dr robert blitzer said communications were initially a big problem the command center used landlines and cell phones and blitzer also ordered a mobile communications center which was deployed from washington d c to atlanta and then to baton rouge blitzer had not needed to deploy the mobile communications center for the previous four hurricanes that hit florida hhs principal deputy assistant secretary for public health and emergency preparedness 
Dr. Gerald Parker, knew of just one satellite phone, located on the command bus, and said all SERT leaders probably had one. Simonson said he thought there were two satellite phones per SERT, but for every satellite phone call that was successful, there were probably six failed attempts. Communication failures also affected NDMS. NDMS Chief Jack Beale said not only did his staff not have enough equipment, the operability of the equipment they had was in and out. Satellite phones worked only when trucks containing the satellite equipment were pointing in the right direction. But as Beale said, when you have people dying, there's no time to mess with satellite phones. Overall, his Nextel cell phone was his best option for communicating, but when he or his staff worked in the Superdome, it was total blackout. Efforts to remedy this problem began on September 3rd, with NDMS working to reach agreements with private cellular companies for the provision of communications on wheels. OR2DMAT also cited communications as a key obstacle, particularly the operability of cell phones and interoperability of radios inside the New Orleans airport. There is an over-reliance on cellular phones for communications. The cellular infrastructure was severely damaged during Katrina, and cell phone service was initially unavailable, OR2DMAT reported. Radios also proved insufficient. The JT-1000 radios provided for the team could not contact radios in distant areas of the airport. Similarly, the team had no communication with security personnel via radio until the Forest Service provided Bendex King radios. The breakdowns in communication experienced by government officials are illustrated in ESF-8 agency personnel emails. These emails show correspondence was almost non-existent until August 31st, and difficulties sending and receiving messages persisted well into the first week of September. On August 31st, a SERT member emailed the EOC and said, My BB doesn't work at all. Any communications with me will have to be through cell. In Mississippi, a September 3rd email from the Gulfport Field Command Center indicates, No phones or power as of now. Cells, sometimes. Nextel service best. T-Mobile not good for BBs at this area, but do work other locations. On September 5th, a week after the storm, emails indicate that communications had not significantly improved. A CDC employee wrote the EOC, saying, Our folks in the field only have access to BlackBerry now. The phone lines are going in and out, and faxes are very difficult to send. Much attention has been paid to lack of operability and the inability of first responders to connect with each other through the equipment they had. Some responders, however, were having difficulties just getting the equipment itself. An SERT team member on her way to Baton Rouge emailed HHS officials on September 5th saying she needed a cell phone and BlackBerry. A response from an HHS official states, we do not issue blackberries to individuals for deployments, and we don't have any anyway. We have also exhausted our total cache of phones, so we have absolutely nothing to issue. If things change, I will advise you. 
Likewise, the OR2 DMAT report says there were an insufficient number of Motorola JF-1000 radios for their convoy, and other teams who did not have access to radios at all encountered safety-related issues due to a lack of communications. The radios and satellite phones inside the FEMA trucks were also of no use to DMAT teams as they had not been programmed. From lack of equipment to inoperability, to failure to program satellite phones, communications proved to be one of the greatest obstacles to the Hurricane Katrina medical response. Critical time was wasted, and energy that should have been spent treating patients was instead spent on repeated and oftentimes unsuccessful attempts to communicate. Finding Evacuation decisions for New Orleans nursing homes were subjective and, in one case, led to preventable deaths. We see where there are gaping holes in our system. It has become clear that no one was evaluating these plans in any real sense. The system provides no check and balance. Louisiana State Representative Nita Hutter Like its hospitals, Louisiana's nursing homes, all privately owned with the exception of two, are responsible for having their own evacuation plans. These plans are required to be updated annually, and before the start of hurricane season each year, DHH sends a reminder letter. DHH also checks to ensure every Louisiana nursing home submits a plan. However, media reports indicate DHH cited only one nursing home in the past year for submitting an inadequate plan. Most plans encourage patients' families to help with evacuations, and several southeast Louisiana nursing homes have agreements with nursing homes in northern Louisiana for transfer of patients after evacuations. The statewide occupancy of Louisiana nursing homes is roughly 70%, which allows evacuated nursing homes to find bed space elsewhere. Before Hurricane Katrina's landfall, 19 nursing homes evacuated their residents. After the flooding in New Orleans, an additional 32 nursing homes evacuated. One nursing home, St. Rita's, did not evacuate at all, and 35 residents died. Overall, it is estimated that 215 people died in New Orleans nursing homes and hospitals as a result of Katrina and failed evacuations. Three Louisiana Nursing Homes Michael Ford is CEO and owner of three nursing homes in the New Orleans area, Riverbend Nursing and Rehabilitation Center, located in Plaquemines Parish, Metari Health Care Center, located in Jefferson Parish, and Walden Health Care Center, also located in Jefferson Parish. Combined, these nursing homes house close to 360 patients. Ford is also the vice president of the New Orleans region of the Louisiana Nursing Home Association, LNHA, and is a member of the Plaquemines OEP. According to Ford, all nursing homes' emergency plans must be approved by the state. Riverbend's emergency plan calls for the establishment of a predetermined evacuation site, usually in a church gym in Kentwood, Louisiana, for both staff and patients. Ford has evacuated his nursing home patients once before, in anticipation of Hurricane Ivan, using an 18-wheel flatbed trailer equipped with air conditioning and a generator, 
the experience was trying with the patients sitting on a bus for eight hours to go one hundred miles but he also says it gave him and his staff experience for hurricane katrina ford received notice of the mandatory evacuation for plaquemines parish on the saturday before katrina made landfall jesse st amont the o e p director for plaquemines parish declared the evacuation at nine a m on august twenty seventh and said if they don't leave i tell em they're going to die in place despite the difficulties moving patients for hurricane ivan ford listened to st amont and evacuated his nursing home in plaquemines evacuation of riverbend to the church in kentwood was assisted by approximately twenty-five church volunteers who moved patients by carrying them on mattresses ford eventually relocated all but fifty of his patients to a wing he rented at kentwood manor nursing home the rest were taken to one of ford's other two nursing homes in jefferson parish it took almost six weeks to find accommodations and move everyone ford decided against evacuating metari thinking it would withstand the storm subsequent flooding however forced him to evacuate a hundred and fifteen patients using wildlife and fishery department boats and a louisiana army national guard two and a half ton truck patients were taken to higher ground on the interstate buses from the new orleans eoc collected some patients on the evening of august twenty ninth and took them to a staging area in baton rouge louisiana ford had some pre-existing contracts for housing his patients elsewhere but he moved them to the first available locations all of which were in louisiana by mid-november patients from metari were moved to the walden facility which was not evacuated for katrina where they remain today st rita's nursing home the night before landfall ford had a phone conversation with mabel mangano who co-owns st rita's nursing home with her husband i'm staying she told him media reports indicate the manganos were so confident about the safety of st rita's that they invited staff friends and relatives to use it as a shelter the manganos and their seventy-eight patients remained in the nursing home throughout the storm and like many in new orleans thought they were safe after the hurricane had passed but the flood waters began to rise eight to nine feet in thirty minutes and the mangano's grandson swam out and brought back a boat they began putting patients on mattresses floating like rafts on september thirteenth the mangano's were charged with thirty-four counts of negligent homicide attorney general charles foti's september nineteenth press release stated the charges stem from mabel mangano and salvador mangano seniors alleged failure to evacuate st rita's nursing home contrary to the facility's own evacuation plan and in violation of the st bernard parish's mandatory evacuation additionally subsequent to the mandatory evacuation order authorities offered to send two buses and drivers to evacuate residents from the facility and the manganos allegedly declined this offer the news star a monroe louisiana newspaper says despite these charges the manganos did not abandon st rita's during the flooding nor did they seal the fate of their elderly residents by strapping them to their beds before leaving as was widely reported they worked alongside their staff and a few good samaritans during the frantic rescue effort 
parish residents may soon be the judge. Finding. Lack of electronic patient medical records contributed to difficulties and delays in medical treatment of evacuees. Although HHS partnered with the AMA to establish a website allowing physicians and pharmacists to electronically access the prescription records of patients affected by Katrina, few patients or health care providers had access to medical records or a common medical record system. As Hurricane Katrina tore through the Gulf Coast region, it destroyed millions of pages of paper files and patient medical records in doctor offices, clinics, and hospitals. Thousands of patients displaced from the region by the storm lacked medical records and were forced to depend on memory and knowledge of their medical history, allergies, and other important information. Kindred Hospital in New Orleans was one of the few facilities in the Gulf Coast with electronic patient medical records. When Kindred evacuated 54 patients following Katrina, the hospital was able to send patients' medical records electronically to other Kindred-operated facilities in Baton Rouge and Houston, where the patients had been transferred. Additionally, Kindred was able to print and mail hard copies of a patient's electronic medical history for those who were evacuated to non-Kindred facilities. Eighty pediatric cancer patients from the Gulf Coast were evacuated to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. The hospital was tasked with tracking down oncologists who fled flooded New Orleans with treatment records to ensure appropriate treatment for the pediatric patients. Additionally, doctors at St. Jude were forced to rely heavily on parents' recollection and notes of their children's treatments. I honestly feel quite comfortable that the worst-case scenario is we delayed treatment for some children, Dr. Joseph Miro said, but there was a lot of flying by the seat of your pants to get it right. According to Stevens, all medical files and documentation made regarding the treatment and medical attention provided to evacuees in the Superdome were lost. This contrasts sharply with how patients' medical information was handled at the Astrodome in Houston. Thousands of the evacuees at the Superdome and Convention Center were transferred to the Astrodome without any paper or medical files. Volunteers in Houston were tasked with documenting patient information and registering evacuees to create new electronic medical records. The Harris County Hospital District created a large clinic in the Astrodome, which included 80 computer terminals to aid in registering patients and recording their medical history and information. By September 9th, records had been created for approximately 8,000 Katrina evacuees. Additionally, the American Medical Association, AMA, National Community Pharmacists Association, NCPA, and several other organizations collaborated to launch the KatrinaHealth.org prescription medication network in September. The network is a secure online service to help physicians and authorized health care providers access medication and dosage information for Katrina evacuees. The network allows and authorizes physicians and pharmacies to provide prescription refills or prescribe new medications. It facilitates coordinated care and helps to avoid potential medical errors by providing access to patient information. 
the AMA provides physician credentialing, while NCPA provides authentication of pharmacists and pharmacies. Because the VA has developed an electronic patient record system for its facilities, electronic records for over 50,000 New Orleans VAMC patients were downloaded to tapes and transferred to the VAMC in Houston. The Houston VAMC was able to reconfigure and restore them after the New Orleans VAMC evacuation. The records chief for the South Central VA Healthcare Network said, every single thing on that computer was saved. Hurricane Katrina showed that physicians are often our second responders. They, too, need the support of sophisticated IT systems, enabling them to respond to a crisis quickly and retrieve and share critical records and information. The emerging public health threats of the 21st century require the seamless flow of information at all levels of government. The need for better integration of IT into the healthcare industry was highlighted by thousands of Katrina evacuees with no medical patient records. HHS has made recent efforts to support digital health recovery for the Gulf Coast. In November, HHS announced partnerships with the Southern Governors Association and DHH to accelerate electronic health records in the Gulf states to create accessible, accurate medical records and medical information. These partnerships will help physicians, medical practices, and hospitals rebuild medical records for their patients as they return to the region. However, National Coordinator for Health Information Technology, Dr. David Brailer, said making patient data accessible to authorized physicians, whether it is following a hurricane or as part of routine care, remains a challenge that must be addressed. End of section 44